Welcome to the Lost Tapes of History podcast. You're about to eavesdrop on the first few minutes of a private conversation between one of England's monarchs and, frankly, someone just trying to do their job. The date is January 1619. William, Mary's husband, leaves England for a long period of time on campaign. Mary needs to rule alone. Parliament are worried that she doesn't have the ability to think independently. All think full stop, some people might say. Come in. Your Majesty, please sit down. No, they can't come in with you. They'll have to stay outside. Comfortable? Wonderful. Now, I wonder, will you allow me to call you Mary? Why? Because it's your name. Oh, I don't know about that. Protocol and everything. Well, it would be better if I could. It helps if we're equals in this room. If you think it's okay, then I'm sure it's fine. Just don't tell my husband, will you? Of course. Thank you, Mary. Now, it says here that William is going to be away from England for several months. There's a worry you won't be able to cope on your own. Is that right? Yes. I can't bear the thought of being away from my dear William. Have you ever been separated before? Yes. We lived in Holland. He had to go to England to fight against my father. Also, every time he goes to the bathroom. Oh, right. Okay. So describe to me how it felt when he left you. Not the bathroom thing, the leaving for England thing. It was as if my heart had been pierced through. He couldn't pronounce words without shedding tears, and throughout he showed me all the tenderness I could desire, so much that I never shall in my life forget it. I... My distress confused me, but I assured him I could never love anybody else. He answered me with so much tenderness as to increase my love for him. If that were possible. You. He had left me. It was as if my heart had been torn from my body. I stayed without moving in the room where he had left me. All I could do was commend him to God. Right. I think I might need to cancel my plans for Christmas if we carry on. Do you think it was a bit over the top considering you were only apart for two months? I thought he was going to die at the hands of my father. That would have been an awkward family Christmas. So, you're facing the prospect of separation again. How do you feel? Is it any different this time? I find myself very much neglected. Little respected, censured by all, commended by none. A simple no would be fine. I find myself at Whitehall, as in a new world, deprived of all that was dear to me in the person of my husband, left alone among those that are perfect strangers to me. I'm so sorry, my mind wandered there. You said something about perfect strangers? The Great Council is of a strange composition. The Cabinet Council not much better. You're saying you don't feel you have support from the Cabinet? What about the Duke of Devonshire? Go on, it's okay. You can tell me what you really think. It's not going to get passed on. Just keep it to individual words if you can. He is weak. Obstinate. Made a tool by his party. A tool? I see. What about 
Lord Mordaunt. Half mad? Only half. Lord Dunby? Of a temper I can never like. The Earl of Marlborough? I will say nothing. It is he I could say the most of, and will never trust or esteem. Nothing is fine. We've only got the one hour. What about your sister Anne? Surely she's supportive. Anne is of a humour so reserved that I could have little comfort from her. I'm going to translate that as Anne's not a barrel of laughs. While we're talking about your family, how do you get on with your father? I dare no more name him father. He was consenting to the barbarous murder of my husband. I hope they do not point at me as the daughter of one who was capable of such things. I don't think they point about that. I suspect they say there's a queen that answers every question with a small essay. So how have you left things with him? His last letter to me, I remember every word, said, I easily believe you may be embarrassed how to write to me, now that the unjust design of the Prince of Oranges invading me is so public. Oh God, you haven't memorised the entire letter, have you? Now I know where you get it from. And though I know you are a good wife, and ought to be so, yet for the same reason I must believe you will be still as good a daughter to a father that has always loved you so tenderly. Was your father deaf for all? It ends, you shall find me kind to you, if you desire it. P.S. I've had to stop here as my ink ran out. When did you first meet William? My uncle, King Charles, arranged the marriage. I was only fifteen. William is my cousin. And what was your first reaction? When my father told me I was to marry him, I wept all afternoon and the following day. I didn't want to marry him at all. Describe him to me. He is twelve years older, thin, dark eyes, long hooked nose, pockmarked face, hunched back. I can see why you were crying. He's shorter than me by four inches. Ah, so he's also a short ass. I was attractive, slender, graceful. Then, obviously. I have to say, sometimes it's good to talk about people's negative traits. We tend to put those we love on a pedestal of unrealistic, godlike proportions. What don't you like about William? He is very solitary. I thought he was selfish and callous. Now I've come to love him, I know that he's interesting, funny, perceptive, straight-talking, loyal. We're supposed to be talking about his bad points? He has asthma. That's it, asthma. It gets worse in overheated atmosphere, so he avoids crowds. It does him no favours with society, though. It makes him seem aloof. There must be something. A bad temper? Does he floss his teeth in bed? Hates washing up? He rarely loses his temper in public. Although he's not above kicking my servants when he's in a bad mood. And how often is that? He comes back from campaigns frustrated and ill-tempered. He gets impatient and gives cross words. They spend a lot of time together. We spend most evenings together, but William insists that I shouldn't tire him with a multiplicity of questions. Are you sure he said questions and not words? Because I know how he feels. He says I should strive to recreate him. What, like a clone? He's tired. He wants me to revive him with pleasing jests and innocent mirth. Has he met you? He has business lunches that I'm not invited to. I was told that it wouldn't be right to sit down and eat with social inferiors. Smells like an excuse to me. 
What about friends? He doesn't usually allow me any private visits from men or women. What about exercise? I don't set foot outside my apartment, except once a week in summer for fresh air, and even then with two chamberwomen who never leave my side. Whoa, that isn't normal. Even for royalty. Do you think maybe he's been a bit controlling? He just wants the best for me. He once told me that I should marry again if he dies, although he said it must not be to a papist. Pity your Uncle Charles didn't have more criteria in his head. What's it like this about the wedding? William didn't want a large, elaborate ceremony. We had a small, private, sombre affair in my bedchamber at St James's Palace, on William's birthday. Don't tell me you kept all the presents as well. Did you have a party afterwards? No, just a ball to celebrate the Queen's birthday. He didn't speak to me the entire evening, even though we danced together. Then he retreated to his suite of rooms in Whitehall. For ten days. The woman of a thousand words marries a man of none. Yes, I can see why that's a match made in heaven. But then you left for Holland together. No, we left in separate ships. <laughs> of course you did. Can we talk about the decision to crown you both as king and queen? William had some reservations. He was unwilling to be prince consort when I was to be queen in my own right. I said I was the prince's wife and would never be other than what I should be in conjunction with him. And what did he say to that? That it was a subject he'd never successfully managed to raise in nine years of marriage. He probably didn't think he had time to hear the answer. So you felt obligated to hand power over to him? I knew my heart was not made for a kingdom, and my inclination led me to a retired, quiet life. You can just say yes there. I assured him I would always obey my husband, as I had promised in my marriage vows. I said I would be no more but his wife, that I would do all that lay in my power to make him king for life. I resolved not to accept the crown without William. Can you excuse me for a minute? Sorry, would you describe this as a happy marriage? In many ways. We have not been blessed with children, to my great sadness. And has he always been faithful to you? Men always seem to weary of their wives and look for mistresses as soon as they can. There was an incident. Oh yes, now we're getting somewhere. My servants were persuaded to tell me that William was having an affair with Elizabeth Villiers. Persuaded by who? My father. I pretended to go to bed, but waited on the back stairs leading to her bedroom. I caught my husband leaving it late at night. Well, that's pretty conclusive evidence. William was furious. I went to bed in a flood of tears. He said it was spies trying to get between us, and that he'd always loved me. Ah, <laughs> that old chestnut. Oh, no. They weren't having an affair. William told me so. They were exchanging diplomatic intelligence. <laughs> Is that what they call it now? I believed him. Of course you did. And I dismissed my servants. Oh, crikey. Look, I don't want to focus on William. I think we should focus on building your confidence. Me? Yes. What there is of it. Let's talk about the things you want to achieve in your reign. How you can push them forward. What interests you? I have a Dutch Mastiff. I really hope that's a type of dog. It's a pug. One saved the life of William's ancestor, William the Silent. How? By barking to warn him of the enemy. 
Oh, like lookout dogs? Yes. Well, thank goodness it wasn't the other way around, otherwise they would have been stuffed. Oh, and I keep goldfish. Keep them from what? Dying, mostly. Any cultural pursuits? I enjoy reading. I have new books sent for the library at Kensington Palace. This year I purchased the latest Samuel Pepys. His diaries? He's published his diaries. Not yet, they're in code. What's this book? Memoirs of the Navy. I think I might give that a miss. What about music? Henry Purcell is creating a birthday ode for me this year. It's called Arise, My Muse. Well, it's better than his first draft. Sit, you're a hindrance. (laughs) Sorry. What else? What projects need support or funding? I don't know. What do you think I should support? I can't answer for you, Mary. What do you believe in? Healthcare? Education? No maximum word limit for speeches in the House of Commons? Oh yes, all those. I was joking about the speeches. What projects need support or funding? I'd like to turn Uncle Charles's unfinished palace at Greenwich into hospital for sailors. Can I pass laws? Depends on what it is. Against blasphemy and drunkenness. Good luck with that one. Have you actually met any sailors? No. I'd also like to continue the good work of the Religious Toleration Act. I believe we should live in an enlightened civil society. This is great stuff. You need to move away from this dutiful, submissive wife role and become a capable and confident leader. You're named after Mary Queen of Scots, for goodness sake. She was a strong woman. I am a confident and independent queen. That's my girl. Can you tell me where the water closet is? Of course. Out the door, turn left and it's first on the right. What's the matter? Can you come with me? Next time, it's Anne and the adoption interview. How many does she want? The Lost Tapes of History podcast is a Synth 79 production. If you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to get more episodes. To fact check what you've heard on this monarch, visit our website losttapesofhistory.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at Synth79P and use the hashtag Lost Tapes of History.